The National Soccer Coaches Association of America is proud to present the NSCAA podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. The NSCAA is the go-to resource for soccer coaches of any level. From education to networking, the NSCAA has something for everyone. Go to NSCAA.com to learn more about the world's largest soccer coaches organization today. Now, here's your host, Dean Linky. So this is the NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap, and I am Dean Linky, and we've got another great show for you today. What a time for soccer in this country. The 2017 Gold Cup rolling on. On Wednesday night, it was USA-El Salvador, and before the game, we caught up with legendary USA superstar Marcelo Balboa, the fastest player, by the way, on the men's side, to 100 caps. He's a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, three-time member of the U.S. World Cup team. That's right, he played in three World Cups, and he'll break down the USA's chances in the Gold Cup. Hopefully he was right, by the way, as this airs. And he'll also break down the key positions Bruce Arena will be looking at as he fills out his World Cup roster, assuming they'll be there in Russia, and we know they will be. Also, U.S. Youth Soccer, they've got their national championships July 25th through 30th in Frisco, Texas. And to break all that down, including the McGuire Cup, the Otis Youth Competition, in the country, any sport, Sam Snow has been the 13-year coaching director of U.S. Youth Soccer and a great friend of the NSCAA. He will also join us. Marcelo Balboa, Sam Snow from U.S. Youth Soccer. And it starts after this message from Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and I am so pleased to be with you here on the NSCAA podcast. What a time for soccer in the USA, and what a time for the U.S. national soccer team. A rebirth, if you will, under Bruce Arena, back and better than ever. And speaking of back and better than ever, and he's never left us, folks, one of my all-time favorites, all-time favorites to ever wear, the red, white, and blue, the ponytailed wonder, number 17, Marcelo Balboa, the fastest player to reach 100 caps, for the USA. He was in not one, not two, but three World Cups. He's a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, a Colorado Soccer Hall of Famer. The man has done it all, and now he's a big-time analyst for Univision. He's in Philadelphia right now at Financial Field, as you can tell in the background, getting ready for USA El Salvador in the Gold Cup. Cello, my main man, thanks for being on the NSCA podcast. No problem, buddy. How have you been? Well, I've been great, right? And uh, what a great time uh, for soccer in this country, and you're sitting there right Right now, and you know, you were there, right? You saw the struggles under Jurgen Klinsmann, and now Bruce Arena's come in. Not only has he not lost a game, Marcelo, but he's played a ton of players. I mean, a ton of players. That's got to be great for right now and the future of the U.S. national team. Well, I think it's opened up a lot of doors for a lot of young guys. He's given a lot of guys an opportunity. I mean, this is the actual time that he can actually pull it off because after this, he really doesn't have an opportunity to see the young guys play. So, this was a great opportunity for them to play and to get an opportunity to show what they can do trying to make a World Cup team next year. All right, let's go back uh, to the decision. And you know Sunil Galati as well as anybody, uh, not only a guy that uh, you worked under, but uh, I, I know you consider him a friend. 
You know, yeah. you bring in Jurgen Klinsmann, right? He had the success as a player and then with the Germany national team. But it's, uh, all the experts say, Marcelo, it really didn't work. What's your take on that? Jurgen, Jurgen did a great job. Jurgen did a great job, despite what people want to say about Jurgen. You know, he, he took a team into the World Cup with a guy that Josie Altro that goes down. He's able to get to the groove. And with Juan Dolowski putting that goal win the last minute of that game against Belgium, he could have easily have tied that game and taken it into overtime. So, you know, I mean, it's one of those deals where I think he's been a lot for, for soccer. Um, I'm not also a big fan of, of a coach taking two cycles in a, in a World Cup because it's the same message for the same players for eight years. And I think that's why you struggled a little bit. But, uh, again, I don't see... Uh, I don't see the criticism. I, towards the end, I get it. When he's the Mexico thing, we decided to play three in the back instead of four, and he did some things. But overall, I thought he did a great job, and it was just time for him to, to move on. Uh, I like that take, Marcelo, on the different cycles. Uh, as you know, uh, having played for several coaches, sometimes it falls on, yeah. on deaf ears. And, you know, I also like yeah. what you said about understanding CONCACAF. And you know what I really do like about Bruce Arena, particularly this first phase of this year's Gold Cup in, in working in players is, you know, the majority of them are major league soccer players, and he truly understands having had that front row seat to the qualities of major league soccer and the kind of guys that can make a difference, right? Yeah, 100%. Listen, I think Bruce has learned a lot of the coach. I think he's learned from 99 and when he took the team in 2002 and in 2006, and now he gets another opportunity to take the national team. And, and you can see he's, he's been more relaxed. He allows the player to do certain things that Jurgen didn't allow them to do uh, under his structure, but it's a little bit more freedom, and you can see the players are playing a little looser, a little freer, and uh, and not not confused like they were towards the end of Jurgen's um, you know stint there because of the three in the back and the five. They were seeing everybody seemed confused, and like again, it's tough because I think that towards the end, unfortunately it got to the point where I think some of the players just kind of tuned out. And when you tune out four or five key players, you're, you're screwed on a national team. Okay, so we uh, know that he played a ton of players in this first round of the Gold Cup. And he knows that we got the yep. tie, and then we got a couple wins. You know, had to work for yep. it with Panama and Martinique, and then yeah. took care of business against Nigeria. Before we get to the game that uh, – is against El Salvador, and when this airs, the game is already over, so I'm going to make you predict a result, and we'll see what happens when this airs tomorrow, Marcelo. Before we get to that, who are a couple players, uh, or maybe more, that came out of the experience getting an opportunity that uh, is now on a radar to make a World Cup team, in your opinion? Ooh, to make the World Cup team, that's a, that's a difficult one, because you would look at someone like Dom Dwyer, who scored two goals in two games, but uh, then they sent him home, and the same with Kelvin Rowe, kid who scores a goal and do well, but they sent him home. You know, I think this this team's pretty deep at, at certain positions. So I would say out of this group, you're looking for a third goalkeeper. That would be one. Yeah. So will it be Jesse? Will it be Horvath? I think that's a key. I think you're looking at center backs. You're looking at Cameron. You're looking at Brooks. And then from there, I think it's an open game. Is it Omar Gonzalez? Is it Beesler? Is it Hedges? Is it Zimmerman? So I think the one that's kind of shown and been playing a lot, it could be that guy that makes the national team would be, or the World Cup team would be Viafania, just because they're struggling for left backs. So to see him get an opportunity to play in there is, is another another sign that maybe this is a player that could be taken. Maybe Dom Dwyer, 
You know what I mean? But, again, you look at the forward situation, there's tons of forwards in that position. You're going to take four. So who do you take the roster? Do you take off Jordan Morris for Dwyer? Do you take off, do you take, uh, you know, Bobby Woods off that for Don Dwyer? So I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting one to see what happens down the road. Yeah, excellent point. I like that uh, third goalkeeper and, you know, continues to try to figure it out on the outside back. And you're right, there's a, you know, you've got two big time center backs and then who, you know, fills those yeah. holes when, you know, yellow cards could play a role. And yeah. now with the reinforcements coming back in, right, and uh, knowing that uh, Michael Bradley will be a key part of this team for yeah. still some time, uh, you know, Clint Dempsey's getting a little bit older, but all of these reinforcements, when you look at uh, the list of, you know, Dempsey and and now even the, you know, the Nagby getting a full time chance and yeah. Bradley yeah. and Altador, are those guys already locked in on the World Cup team? Is Dempsey going to make another run? I would think Dempsey is not a lot, but I would say he's 75%. He's a, he's a gamer. You put him in the game, he's going to make something happen. Michael Bradley, yes. Josie Altidore, yes, if they stay healthy. I think Darling Dignabby is 95% in because he shows qualities that a lot of guys don't show, and he seems to be getting more comfortable under Bruce Arena's, uh, under Bruce Arena's helm right now. So, yeah, I, I think there's quite a few. Tim Howard, if he stays healthy. Uh, Brad Guzan will be the goalkeepers. Jonathan Brooks, Jeff Cameron, those guys, Yedlin, I, I consider those guys, Fabian Johnson, I consider the guys, all those guys, locks. You know, I think the ones you're looking at is someone like uh, Jermaine Jones. Uh, is he a guy that you want to bring on? Is he a guy who's good in the locker room? Is he a guy that can come off the bench and help you? I think that's the biggest question right now. Or do you take a, you take a, a Costa and, and you go from there? You know what I mean? So there, there'll be some, some, Big decisions for Bruce down the road. Yeah, you know you're right. I think from maybe even 16 to 23, there'll be yeah. fascinating decisions, which always are a key part of, of any World Cup selection anywhere as well. Okay, Marcelo. Yep. So you and I were together for 90 to 94, and then uh, with the Colorado yep. Rapids for a few years, and both with U.S. Soccer and Major League Soccer. You know that's 20 some years ago, right? Which is hard mm-hmm. to believe. As you fast forward now, and you see what the team did in Mexico with the, you know, the altitude things over their beds and all yep. the prep and everything they do, are you amazed at how advanced both U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer is today? Um, you know, I think it's just the, the evolution of our sport. I think you can see the, the logistical sides of how things are done, how athletes are treated, how they treat themselves, how they treat their bodies, and how the U.S. soccer has treated them. What MLS has done in the last few years and how they've grown is, is absolutely ridiculous and the money they're spending on players. And, I mean, ridiculous in a fantastic way. So, um, yeah, you know, back when we played for, for $10 per diem compared to these guys making, you know, millions of dollars not playing in MLS and on the national team, um, it's nice to see that our sport and the future is bright for what we helped start. We never won't get to see finish. We'll never make the big money out of it. But it was nice, and I think we knew that when we jumped back into the league in 96 to help it start that uh, we were hoping to, to help build something that was going to help our kids and their kids have an opportunity to play soccer and to be able to see soccer throughout their life. Well, you've done that. You were a key ambassador, and you continue to be a key ambassador. And if there's one thing, you know, maybe it's not necessarily millions of dollars tied to it. The World Cup really did set the stage for, you know, fine young people like you and Alexi yeah. Lalas and Kobe Jones and and Hartsey yeah. and Miola to have a platform, right, that you continue to – don't you love uh, your position now with Univision and the Colorado Rapids? 
Uh, listen, I think you got to go back even further than that, Dean. I think you got to go back to Ricky Davis, to David Vanoli, the Dubecks, the Paul Crumpies, the Mike Windishmans. The you know those guys started before we did, and we were fortunate enough to catch it towards the end and help them qualify for that '90 World Cup, and uh, and blessed. I, I have to say, you know, sometimes as you grow up as an athlete, there's certain years you just take advantage and you think you're bigger than life sometimes as an athlete. But at the end of the day, um, I wouldn't be who I am or where I'm at or have a family that I have or the experience that I've had in this world uh, without the gift of, of soccer. So I, I have to say I've been very blessed to be able to have continued a uh, career after soccer with TV and stay involved in the game. So um, there's so much more that I still have to give back for everything that soccer has given me that uh, I just enjoy. I try to enjoy every day and, and every time I get an opportunity to, to do soccer or to play soccer or to be involved in it. All right. Uh, you, you did a great job setting the table for where U.S. soccer is, and you touched on the fact that uh, most of these players are indeed making big money in Major League Soccer as well. Today, and again, this airs on Thursday, I emceed the hashtag 919 to MLS rally, rally here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Mark Abbott, Dan Cordemach, yeah. the MLS officials are here. You know the deal. Twelve bids from great yep. cities across the country. They're going to take four. Yeah. Announced two in December. Raleigh <laughs> showed an amazing stadium, 22 to 26,000, right downtown Raleigh. And obviously I'm nice. biased because I live here, but I feel like yep. they're now stepping yep. up. But how exciting is it for this expansion for Major League soccer yeah you know what it is it, it's it's some good times it's nice to see the interest of what soccer uh what the financial gains of people can actually see that it's a liable it, it's it's a forbidden or not forbidden it's, it's a it's a company it's a business that can help a community it can help a state and i think that people are finally starting to see the financial gains you can make out of soccer before everybody was so paranoid about actually looking and buying into, oh, you're going to lose money. You're always going to be in the hole. Um, but look at what you guys have done there. Look what Cincinnati's done with 30,000 people in an Open Cup game, you know, and you look at what Sacramento's done. So, listen, soccer in this country is moving in, in a great way. It's, it's exciting people. It's energizing people. And I'm excited to see what MLS and who MLS picks uh, for the next two franchises. All right, so here's the deal, Marcelo. This podcast is going to air on Thursday. Tonight, 9 o'clock, USA, El Salvador. Winner yep. go home time in the Gold Cup. The USA will win tonight if they do what, Marcelo Balboa? Um, if they play as a team. I think that's the thing that they haven't done uh, cohesively over the last three games because they've made so many lineup changes. You know, now you bring in your five, your, your, your five reinforcements. One's in goal, and that's Tim Howard, who will help the back line stay organized. Then you put in Darlington Nagby, and you put in Michael Bradley to solidify and somebody that can control the midfield, spray the ball around. And then you put the two best goal scorers, well, two of the three best goal scorers this country's ever had with Josie Altador and, and Clint Dempsey, who's one goal away from Tyneland and Donovan. Um, you know, and then you mix in the experienced players like an Omar Gonzalez and a Beasler. So I, I think if the U.S. can maintain possession, knock the ball around, use the width, and use their height on set pieces, uh, I don't see how the U.S. could lose. And then coming out of this, there's no doubt that the USA will make another World Cup. They'll be in Russia because why, Marcelo? I, you know what? I, right now, I, 
you know, they've got four games left, two that are very tough, Costa Rica at home, and they got Panama at home, but they still have to go to Trinidad and Honduras. So, listen, I'm not, I'm not, they're going to get there eventually. I don't know what position, but it is, it, it's going to be, it's going to come down to the last game or two. It's going to be a battle because of the poor start the U.S. had at the beginning of this qualifier. All right, finally, Marcelo, college soccer about to start as well, and uh, there continues to be several takes on college soccer's position in the landscape for the development of uh, players at all levels. And just in general, what's your take on the NCAA, knowing that it's also a key part of uh, the NSCAA, and this is indeed the NSCAA podcast presented by Team Snap. You play a little bit of college soccer. What's your take right now? Uh, you know what? It, it's nice that uh, the the fact that college, that the kids are able to go there, we're able to pick the homegrown players and send them to college for two or three years and then pull them out and, and let them get that experience. The only thing we ever talked about is how do we make the season a little longer so some of these kids can can get used to a longer season so it's not a big jump to MLS. But listen, soccer is, is meant to play at every level, at every fast, so... I uh, can't complain. I love watching the NSEA finals and watching these young kids develop like a surpriser last year with DU reaching the final four. Yeah, well said. Denver's uh, done incredibly well under Bobby Muse and then Jamie Franks. Marcelo Balboa, number 17 in your heart on the field. Marcelo, man, you still look like you could get it done out there, by the way. I mean, always a, always a pleasure hearing your voice. Thanks for being on the NSCA podcast. Anytime, buddy. Thanks for having me. Love Marcelo Balboa, and also at the NSCAA, we love Quick Goal. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the NSCAA and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Marcelo Balboa, visit in the books as promised. Sam Snow, the 13-year coaching director for U.S. Youth Soccer with their national championships coming to Frisco July 25th through 30th. We'll promote that and all good things about U.S. Youth Soccer when we come back after this message from Team Snap and the NSCAA as the NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap rolls on. The NSCAA's resource library has become the online resource of choice for soccer coaches. NSCAA members find training plans, specific activities, exercises, informative articles, and so much more. It's just one more benefit of membership. Go to NSCAA.com to learn more. Want 15 extra hours each week? Team Snap can help give it to you. Their customers save tons of time every week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the NSCA podcast. I want to thank legendary U.S. national teamer Marcelo Balboa. For talking big picture with the USA and Bruce Arena and even their game yesterday against El Salvador and also talking about the amazing growth of Major League Soccer. It's got to start somewhere, right? And how about U.S. Youth Soccer without question? The country's largest organized youth soccer organization and their coaching director for 13 years and... uh 
Boy, to say dear friend barely would tell the story of the NSCAA, and now a repeat guest on the NSCA podcast, talking about Sam Snow from U.S. Youth Soccer. Sam, thanks for being on the NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap. Thank you, Dean. It's a, warm, it's a pleasure to be with you again. Well, it is indeed, and uh, it's your time, actually. We want you to really set the table for what is going to happen at the 2017 U.S. Youth Soccer National Championships to be played July 25th through 30th at the Toyota Soccer Center in Frisco, Texas. How many age groups, boys and girls? Paint the big picture, Sam, and then we'll go from there, please. It is uh, a big event. It's uh, 13 and under through uh, now 19-20 age group. Uh, and so it's uh, both boys and girls. Uh, so it's uh, it's a huge event, and uh, it started at the state cup level. Uh, so nationwide, it started with about ten thousand teams uh, all together participating in the fifty-five state association uh, state tournaments, ending with being state champions for their age group and their gender. Those teams then went on to the four regional championships for their age group and gender in various uh, locations across the country. And then for the second year now, the, the finals are coming to our headquarters in Frisco, Texas, uh, at the Toyota Soccer Center, uh, right next to the FC Dallas Stadium. And uh, it's a great, great event on some fantastic fields and uh, really makes for a, a strong soccer experience, strong, strong soccer environment. And uh, last year, the, the games went well, and we're expecting the, the same thing this year. Well, as the coaching director, obviously uh, you're playing a key role in the development of coaches across the country and uh, the education curriculum and everything else. But I got to believe, as a guy who's been involved in this business for a long time, you've got to be amazed at the logistics to pull this off, right? And making sure everything runs smoothly. Kind of your chance to toot the horn of the people getting it done from an organizational scope because, man, Sam, there's a lot of logistics involved. It it absolutely is, and and it – requires a lot of both full-time and volunteer people uh, to be able to pull the whole thing off from beginning to end. And again, the beginning being at, at the state association level and recognizing all those folks, there's always uh, an LOC that's involved. Uh, and again, it's probably a mix of some of the state association, regional and national uh, paid staff, and then a whole lot of volunteers you know, that help to put it together. And I know uh, that our operations department, our communications department, our marketing department, uh, boy, talk about putting in the blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, it is literally that sometimes uh, with them out on the fields from 5 o'clock in the morning is when they'll show up out on the fields getting things set up for the early morning kickoffs, you know, and they're at it again all day long, communications doing stuff until the late hours of the night, uh, getting all the reports into all the media outlets. Uh, so, yeah, to be able to say... Uh, job well done and congratulations to uh, the many volunteers that come from the local soccer communities, but also to the, the paid staff. Uh, they, they deserve that recognition. Without that, uh, the event doesn't uh, take place the way that it uh, could otherwise, and it starts. Anybody who's not seen it before, uh, it starts on this coming Monday uh, with the players' banquet. The teams will have arrived, and they'll have a huge banquet uh, thousand, you know, 2,000, 3,000 people in the room when you throw in uh, the coaching staffs and the teams and all of this. Uh, and, and it is really a neat affair, kind of a formalized uh, uh, event for the kids to, to kick off the whole thing working for a national championship. 
What a great job painting the picture of uh, everything that's going to take place. And in your role as the coaching director for the U.S. Youth Soccer Championships, what will you be doing, Sam? Uh, what, what do you want to accomplish? Well, you know, I go out and uh, I actually get a couple of things uh, accomplished. Uh, sometimes literally pitching in and helping the, uh, the operations staff, uh, the, you know, banners and water and, you know, helping communications and whatnot. So I, I'm not a, uh, averse to jumping in and helping those folks where they need some help. Uh, but part of it is also going around and uh, talking to coaches a little bit, uh, watching games being played. And uh, as we as I watch games being played, you know, we're looking at things like, okay, how well is it beginning to show uh, on the job that clubs are doing to implement uh, some of the directives from U.S. soccer in terms of playing style uh, and being able to educate players and educate coaches? Uh, so that that's a, a piece of it. And then, obviously, uh, it's an opportunity for me uh, to connect with the state association personnel that are there. Uh, we'll have some of the state technical directors there, some of the executive directors there, some of the board members from states there. Uh, so it's that opportunity to keep all of those wheels turning uh, as we work together to execute all of the programs and the National Championship Series being that crown jewel of the programs. The U.S. Youth Soccer National Championships, July 25th through 30th at the Toyota Soccer Center in Frisco, Texas. And it'll lead up to a big one. The James P. McGuire Cup final will begin at 7 a.m. Central on Sunday, July 30th to determine the U19-20 Boys National Champion. Now I'm going to set the table and then I want you to elaborate. But the James P. McGuire Cup is the oldest trophy in youth sports. In youth sports, not youth soccer, youth sports dating back to 1935 with the inaugural youth championships and played annually except during World War II. Officially known as the United States Soccer Federation National Junior Challenge Cup, the competition was renamed the James P. McGuire Junior Champion Cup in 75 after the late United States Soccer Federation president. Now, I had the opportunity on Fox Soccer to call a couple of these. That's big-time soccer, big-time college players, players that are now playing in Major League Soccer. Set the table for how great that contest is. It is uh, because of the history that it has. Uh, it absolutely is uh, a, a, a tournament, uh, an age group, a trophy that cuts across generations. It goes deeply into the roots of youth soccer in the United States. Uh, so I have absolutely seen uh, at the coaches convention, at the NSCA convention, uh, where we have that trophy on display, uh, coaches coming up, uh, uh, people that are there at the, the convention coming up and, you know, touching it, getting their pictures next to it, because they played for it when they were 18, 19 years old. They remember those matches, and it could be a, a coach that's, you know, in their 50s or 60s, and they're remembering, you know, those times. So the, the history that that particular trophy has and when you see the trophy itself i mean it's the same trophy from 1935 and you know we just obviously keep evolving the plaques that are on it of the teams that have won but the the many many plaques that are on it tell the story of uh, a few decades of, of championships and the teams from different parts of the country that have won that trophy yeah, so big... it is one that really does connect a lot of folks uh, to their own youth soccer experience yeah, big-time players have hauled off that uh, trophy. I remember Will Trapp was part of the Columbus Crew team, and Will Trapp is very much in the player pool, and he just you know barely sets to 
begins to tell the story of players that have gone on to great success. And, and, you know, this championship for U.S. youth soccer also continues to attract college coaches at all levels and professional coaches at all levels. Right, Sam? Yes, it, yes, it does. There, there's certainly uh, uh, both professional and college coaches. You know, I think the number of professional scouts, professional coaches will uh, slowly continue to rise as you see uh, MLS franchises as the example and, and, and their network that they have with the other uh, professional teams. And as some of those uh, franchises also add on their professional women's teams, uh, it's just growing as they look to build their own youth systems underneath the professional team and, and how they have their youth developmental system. Uh, so uh, you'll definitely see uh, scouts personnel from uh, professional teams as well as college uh, coaches there that are looking for players that might be coming in in the fall for them, and they're getting that final little look to make a few comments to them about their preparations for college soccer. But it will also obviously be a lot of college coaches that are looking at younger players uh, as future recruits. All right, Sam Snow, coaching director for U.S. Youth Soccer, now 13 years. We started this NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap with Marcelo Balboa, one of the legends of the game. And he talked in amazement on the growth of, for U.S. soccer and what they do now for the national teams at all levels. And then he went on about Major League Soccer as well and, you know, 12 cities bidding for expansion and how different it is. How about for U.S. Youth Soccer, maybe even knowing the overall growth of U.S. soccer how many changes uh, have you seen? Or, or I guess, you know, that's not a great question, but just kind of the big picture overall scope of U.S. youth soccer's growth with the overall growth of soccer in this country. It, it has grown. I mean, I see it as an example in our programming. Uh, we, we gradually expand our programs. The National Championship Series being a great example where when that started many, many years ago, it was three age groups, U19, U16, U14. Now it's from the 13-year-olds to 20-year-olds. Uh, and then so that's expanded. We are uh, going into having a national championship for futsal. Uh, we are looking at expanding some of our league programming at a regional and national level. Uh, so as the game continues to, to grow, you know, we continue to try to uh, open up pathways uh, for players and teams and clubs to participate and to develop and grow. Uh, so it's, it's absolutely on my part. It's been really encouraging to see uh, the growth of soccer, not only at the youth level, but uh, at the professional level, college level, et cetera. Uh, you know, just as a small thing, I, I kind of have to pinch myself every once in a while when I go into some of the soccer complex and stadiums that we have now uh, that I – couldn't have dreamed would be the be a reality many years ago. I love that answer. And you know, finally Marcelo Balboa, we talked to him from Philadelphia where last night USA played El Salvador. And speaking of Philadelphia, the NSCAA and mind you, US Youth Soccer Convention will be back in Philadelphia, right? You're gonna be there again, right, Sam? Or am I I'm right on that, right? Because you guys have been yes, doubling yes, down. Sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, you're you're right. Well we will be there with the NSCAA and uh, hope everybody comes by to, to participate in some of the things that we have going on during that week. Yeah, talk about that partnership, though, how great it has been to sort of share that incredible weekend. It is uh, fantastic. I think it's wonderful in that it, it brings together a whole bunch of different soccer people. On our side, obviously, it's an emphasis, a focus on uh, youth soccer. Uh, but for our coaches, our administrators, our referees to be there 
where you're mixing with uh, coaches and other folks uh, from all levels of the game uh, is really an exciting piece. And one of the things that uh, I think we offer, USU Soccer offers, by doing our workshop at that convention is uh, an extra set of educational experiences that are aimed at referees and then some that are aimed at administrators, club and state association administrators. Uh, so it expands the offerings because how many people still today uh, in soccer, you know, wear multiple hats. Uh, so it's, it's a great opportunity for them and, and come to experience an array of uh, educational opportunities as well as uh, all of the different awards, banquets, and, and uh, vendor show. It's quite the affair, especially if you've not been to one, everybody, come this coming year. Come to January to Philadelphia. Great job. Plug and play. He always is always ready to promote the great game and what a job he's done as the coaching director now for 13 years with U.S. Youth Soccer. Sam Snow, thanks for for being on the NSCA podcast yet again. My pleasure, Dean. Thank you very much for asking me on. Yeah, pleasure to have him. Pleasure to have Marcelo Balboa. And guess what, folks? In two weeks, big news coming out of the NSCAA. You won't want to miss that podcast in two more weeks. Thanks again, Marcelo. Thanks, Sam Snow. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the NSCAA podcast presented by Team Snap. By being a member of the NSCAA, you are part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find coaches like you who are passionate about bettering themselves and their players. Go to NSCAA.com to find out more.